Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Local Europe Edition. I'm James Savage in Stockholm, and this week I'm joined by Ben McPartland in Paris. All right, Ben, how are things? Good afternoon, yeah, nice to be here. Uh, the news in France this week has overwhelmingly uh, been dominated by the death of French rock legend Johnny Halliday. Obviously from, from fans, but also just from mainstream politicians, from the president, from the media. It's been live blogs. Okay, Johnny Halliday, why is he so big? How could you compare him to something, uh, to someone who's more internationally well-known? I mean, it's a personal thing, but I think he comes in somewhere around Tom Jones for me. You know, kind of just a, a rocker that, that just keeps on going and going and going. Although I can't imagine if, you know, there'd be a similar reaction, you know, if Tom Jones passed away. But, uh, you know, it's certainly been a huge kind of outpouring of national mourning. Like literally everyone, everyone knows him. He's such a household name. And even if you don't like him, people who used to kind of really mock him still... Uh, you know, really upset that he's kind of he's departed. You know. Yeah, we'll we'll all miss Johnny Halliday if we've had any any of us who've had anything to do with France over the years have all got a special place for Johnny in our hearts. All right. Well, uh, this week though, we are going to be talking about other things. We're going to be talking about Christmas traditions across Europe. Uh, we're going to be talking about why French school children have been ranked the worst at reading in Europe, and we're going to be talking about doner kebabs in Germany and why they haven't been banned. And we're going to be talking about the hidden messages in Ikea furniture. All that and more coming up. Tis the season to be jolly. And while for some of us Christmas is a time for religion, it's also the season to bring out the ridiculous in everything. So Alex Macbeth, who has lived pretty much everywhere, has picked out some of his favourite Christmas traditions from across Europe. So Alex, what catches your imagination? I grew up in Italy and my parents, being British, you know, tried to tell me the best they could about Santa Claus. But Santa Claus, where I grew up, was essentially this rather large farmer who came to your house on a tractor. And um, I lived at the top of the hill, and he had to have a drink everywhere along the way before he got to my house. Um, so I sort of saw a slightly inebriated Santa. Now, having done a bit of research, I found that actually almost all European nations have slightly dodgy Christmas traditions, which is reassuring. Another one which I suppose... He's quite well known in Italy. He's known as La Befana. Uh, most people get three kings on the Epiphany, which is January 6th. Italy has uh, its own equivalent, a sort of Mama Christmas, if you will, which is this old witch. Um, every family has one, and it's essentially a chance for uh, an old lady to sort of come and beat her broomstick around the place. And also, 
um, occasionally she, she she hands out a few presents. So it's like a violent old woman. Yeah, no, absolutely. Violence is integral to the to the whole role. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and children are terrified of her and and discuss it months in advance. And and of course, parents use it in that kind of you know, if you're bad, you will be put in the witch sack or, you know, will be beaten with a broom. Right. Now, Spain has some interesting things as well, right? It does. Catalonia especially. Christmas in Catalonia is sort of linked to defecating, uh, as far as I can work out. Let me explain that for listeners before they think I've gone completely crazy. They've got two key traditions in Catalonia. One is called El Caganer, which literally means the crapper. It's a nativity piece. It's a small man kneeling over and um, taking a crap. And uh, this nativity piece is inserted in, in all nativity pieces across Catalonia. Wikipedia describes what? it as an essential piece and the most popular of the nativity scene. The second sort of tradition that's, that's linked to defecating is Tio Nadal, which is uh, a wooden log that people place in their homes um, in the month of December. You often put a red blanket over and paint a face. On, on the log's head and um, on Christmas Day I believe the log is placed inside the fireplace and um, encouraged to defecate. Now I've, I've tried to look up why, why all this defecating is going on. Uh, it's not exactly clear. No, nobody really seems to know but it's just sort of you know left its mark <laughs> on, on Catalan Christmas culture. So basically a wooden log is encouraged to crap out your Christmas presents? Basically yeah, right next to the shitting shepherd. So um, that's, that's, that's just, you know, what, what has made it onto the nativity scene and um, what, what seems to keep Catalan hearts warm at Christmas. Oh, fantastic. And in Sweden, of course, what they do is uh, instead of St. Nicholas, they have a gnome who is 90, about 90 centimetres tall um, called Tomte. He's also bearded and he leaves presents, but you have to leave something out for him Otherwise, he'll vandalise your property. So there's a sort of there's a sort of version of the Santa Claus thing there, but uh, but very different to, to 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 the sort of Americanized version that we've that we've got, or indeed the German or, or, or Dutch one. It's kind of fun how the same the same tradition you see in in slightly different ways in different. Absolutely places. fascinating. Fun, Alex. Thanks very much. Thank Good you. to speak to you. Great to speak to you. Now, Ben, what about you? What are your uh, favourite French Christmas traditions? The thing that stuck, struck me by coming into France originally was the big uh, réveillon meal that the French families have on Christmas Eve and, uh, of course, New Year's Eve. You know, we're talking oysters, foie gras, you know, uh, the whole works, uh, especially seafood. They seem to, you know, go for seafood on on these kind of big uh, Christmas Eve meals. Like They have this galette de roi on the 6th of January where you hide this little um, this little kind of token in the, in the galette, which is kind of another great... Uh, pastry, uh, you cut it up into pieces, someone gets a crown, the kids hide under the table, there's a whole etiquette that goes with it, a real tradition and, and you kind of think, well this just sounds a bit naff but actually you find yourself doing it every year and especially you've got kids, it's such a big deal who wears the crown and who gets the, the little fievre, fievre it's called, you know, the little kind of token <laughs> they hide, but yeah, as a, it's, it's just always food related, the, the great traditions here and That's why we love France, isn't it? The European Parliament is threatening to put the future of the doner kebab through the mincer. That, at least, was the story put about by German tabloid Bilt this week, blaming stricter regulation of the additive phosphate. Jörg, first, now where I come from, the doner kebab is usually eaten only during the early stages of alcohol poisoning. But how is it being seen in Germany? It's definitely quite a different attitude to the doner kebab here. 
um, legend has it it was even invented here and it's in Berlin alone I think I read that something like 60 tons of Don and meat are consumed every day and um, if you're walking down the street at 10 in the morning you already see the Donner spit, spit spinning so yeah it's sort of breakfast lunch and dinner around here <laughs> God almighty. Uh, Sounds delicious. But okay, is the European Parliament actually banning it? No, the uh, Health Committee of the European Parliament turned down a European Commission change to the rules on phosphate, which is an additive in many foods, and they wanted to uh, explicitly allow it for frozen meats, which would have included Donner. Um, But the Health Committee said that they wanted to wait on a report uh, which the European Parliament has commissioned into the health risks of phosphates. That's going to be coming out some point towards the end of last uh, next year. So these stories about EU banning popular foods, we've had British sausages and bendy cucumbers, and we've seen these particularly in the UK blown out of all proportion and turned into really big deals. Is this something we're seeing more of in Germany right now? I wouldn't say you see a lot of it here, but there are. Build does publish every now and again its own um, EU scare stories. It's done the bendy cucumbers. It's had one on men being forced to all wear the same size of condom. Various ones about the EU ruining the German language by forcing people to to gender words. Um, But there's also a lot of myth-busting from... Uh, other newspapers on on these things as well. Well, thanks for the myth-busting. Uh, Jörg, most appreciated. Yeah, pleasure. French schools are coming in for a lot of flack at the moment. In a new survey, French children's reading skills have been ranked the worst in Europe. But Ben, are French schools really that bad? It's interesting because in... So many league tables come out at the moment that actually rank them pretty low down. This is the latest one, you know, the, that's shown that, that reading skills are as bad as they were in 2001. So not only have they not improved, they've got worse, which puts them, uh, I think, only with the Netherlands as the two countries in Europe where reading abilities have, have gone down. Last year, there was a, a study that put them the worst in Europe for maths. They have regularly, each year, co- uh, been ranked as the worst in Europe for learning English. In terms of these PISA rankings, which is kind of the OECD ones where, you know, they're kind of the probably most highly regarded, France scores uh, kind of below or below average time and yeah. time again on them. And, you know, there's a real kind of each year they come out now, there's kind of real thinking about uh, what needs to be done. But, you know, nothing really ever seems to change. But, I mean, um, France has always had this reputation of having this great education system. But when you kind of look at all these league tables and you kind of come here and live here, you realise that actually this, the schools are coming for quite a lot of criticism, especially from foreign observers. I've noticed, you know, who are kind of still shocked by the way things are the way things are taught here. What way are things bad? I mean, what's the what's the problem, I and mean, what what are the criticisms here? I think it ranges from everything from kind of. I mean, let's just pick one thing out, like the grading system. Uh, you know, for for young kids, it's like zero to twenty. Apparently, it's impossible to get near twenty. Kids get marked down a lot. It instills low confidence. Uh, There's been studies out recently that suggest that this whole kind of school system that doesn't help breed uh, any kind of confidence, there's no kind of uh, encouragement, it's just kind of punishment for doing badly, results in this kind of French being morose in a later life and having lack of confidence in the workplace. Uh, Everything keeps, keeps, 
coming back to the French school system. And I think the problem is it's just not really changing. I mean, um, you know, even like teacher training here is one of the lowest levels in, in Europe. Apparently, you know, they just don't really invest in teachers. There's a kind of real state. It's really state run. There's not enough independence for schools. Head teachers aren't really head teachers. They're more kind of like administrators. And there's lots of there's little tweaks done every few years by a new government, but there's no real kind of root and branch reform. So they're basically letting down the kids who aren't academic. Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, the high flyers will, you know, they'll they'll kind of fly high no matter what. Uh, but it's yeah, it's and I think this is why they do so so badly in league tables is like everyone behind that. There's not enough encouragement for them to pull through. There's a huge number of French kids who who repeat school years, you know, uh, and, and drop out of school altogether. And I think it's there, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's in these areas, maybe the more deprived towns. I mean, even the teacher system here, you know, schools don't get to recruit their own teachers. Teachers are sent out. And a lot of the time, the worst teachers, or let's say the most inexperienced teachers rather than the worst, are sent to the, the harder areas, you know, and a lot of the best teachers will go to the nice areas, you know, and, and teach in in schools where you know they, the best teachers really should be out in the in the more deprived areas, you know. But that's it. I mean, essentially, it, it's still seen as being an elitist system. All right, Ben. Thanks very much. The Swedish language is far from being the most widely spoken in the world, but thanks to furniture chain IKEA, it has won a global audience. Indeed, every time you go to IKEA, you're speaking Swedish, whether you knew it or not. Now, our Swedish resident, uh, Swedish speaker, James, obviously, can tell us what these words mean. mean. James, I'm going to put you on the spot a second now. See if you can get all of these. This is a good test for your Swedish, good or a test of your Ikea. How many times you go to Ikea <laughs> a month, perhaps, is more of a test of that. <laughs> what about Bekvam? Okay, so that is Bekvam. And this is one of their kitchen ranges. <laughs> and, it means, and it means comfortable. I see. What about Blaska? That is a clothes basket. And I'll tell you what it means. It means rag, as in a newspaper, like a derogatory name for a newspaper. Furnuft. No idea if I've pronounced that right. Right, that is a cutlery range, and it means sensible. Is dance? Is dance means it's a roller blind, and it means a dance on ice. And what about mud? (laughs) It's a beer tankard, and it means mead. Right. How many of these have have you got in your house then? Um, I haven't got any of these. Look, I cheated basically on this, but um, because I knew what you were going to ask me. So I looked them up ahead of time. But I think what's really fun about this, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and kid our readers, but I think what's really, I think what's fun about this is, you know, you've got all, you've got all these words. And if you're a sweet, if you're a Swedish big, you're going around Ikea and you, everything means something. Um, it either, it either means it's, it's either a word or it's a place. Um, that you that you probably recognise. So if you go to the the crash, literally means little land, little country. So it's like it's all it's all it's all got proper meaning. I mean, it can't just be IKEA that's got Swedish out there to the world. Is there any other Swedish words that that we have as part of our kind of English vocabulary that we don't even know? Smorgasbord. Oh uh, yeah, okay. That just as a reminder, that is. So smorgasbord literally means sandwich table, and therefore you know it's a buffet. Um, you you've got that. Yeah. You've got tungsten. The the element tungsten actually literally means heavy stone. Ah, interesting. That's a Swedish word for you as well. Yeah. So you know, there's it's, it's bits bits of Swedish okay. all over okay. the place. Actually, it's much Sneaking more much in, more. Yeah. Complex. Now listen, there are more rules about naming IKEA things, right? Yes, there are. Certain things are named after places in Sweden, and certain things that are named after places in Norway and Denmark. So this caused a bit of trouble a few years ago, where uh, a Danish professor complained that 
the shiniest, comfiest furnishings in the house were named after Swedish and Norwegian things. But the, the names of Danish towns are reserved for things that you walk all over, like doormats and, and carpets and stuff. So this, he said, was a sign of cultural imperialism on behalf of the Swedes. So, you know, Scandinavian relationships... Was he right? Well, Scandinavian relationships are very complicated. And they do sort of like taking offence at each other. Uh, but it's all, it's all slightly in jest. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all terribly, terribly low-key in Scandinavian sure. countries. You know. Okay, James, thanks very much for that. Uh, we definitely learned something about IKEA that I didn't know before today. <laughs> You're welcome, Ben. Well, that's just about all we've got time for this week. We'll be taking a break over Christmas, but we'll be back new and improved in 2018. Ben, thanks very much for joining us this week. Looking forward to having you back in the future. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm off to get some uh, doner kebab uh, meat on my eat on my new IKEA plates. But um, yeah, happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. Uh, au revoir. Hey, do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.